some of you, when clicking on this podcast for that download, or if you are on YouTube or Rumble, you have already made up your mind about what we are going to speak of today. Contemporary Christian music. It is divisive. It is polarizing. But I want to say, hold your judgment for just a moment before you write that comment. Hold your judgment for just a moment, and I want to go ahead and get into it where we're going to try to define worship from a biblical standpoint, and then I think we can make an informed discussion about the topic. For Further Every Day, I'm Jonathan Fowler, your host sitting in the producer chair with uh, Miss Producer Rachel, and uh, joining us today, we got a full house. And uh, in that full house, we got Pastor Tally. How's it going? Doing great, man. Glad to be here today. Glad to have you there. In the chair of theology, dealing with the reason why we believe what we believe, and we've got Ryan sitting with him also in that chair of theology. Ryan Guy, how's it going? Good. Feels weird not being in the producer chair today. <laughs> I know. I'm glad to have you there. Sharing it with Pastor Tally. We got uh, Mr. Charlie. How's it going? It's going great. It's good to be here today. Great topic. Hey, I'm excited. Mrs. Pomeroy in the chair of culture, I see. Hello. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. The aliens have arrived. Have you seen that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then we have Mr. Steve. Yes. <laughs> Peace. I, I have no words. I just don't. But uh, every, everything's cool. We've arrived. Or I have, I, as, Char, as Charlie would say, we are doing fine. Okay. Now that we have had our fun, let's go ahead and dive in for a few minutes. Now, while we make the case of what is a biblical worship, I want to kind of go to the scripture and I want to define it. But before I do, I know Mr. Charlie actually does have a definition in hand that he would like to use. Yes. And this comes from the famous uh, Webster's 1828 dictionary, which is basically the only dictionary that anybody should really use, at least for Christians. Um, we can get into that topic another time. But here's what it is. A chiefly and eminently the act of paying divine honors to the supreme being or the reverence and homage paid to him in religious exercises consisting in adoration, confession, prayer, thanksgiving, and the like. I do want to read one more definition there because, you know, some people may think that worship only happens to God. Worship happens to a lot of different things, gods that we set up and erect in our own lives. And that definition goes as follows. The homage paid to idols or false gods by pagans. Um, and they gave an example here, the worship of Isis. That's, that's going way back. I would submit to you if we wanted a modern example, the worship of money. So anyway, those are your definitions. And I think some of the things that you shared earlier when we were just getting ready to go on, I think are also worthy to be noted. And, and so I, I really appreciate the Webster's 1812. Hey, Clint, how's it going? Hey. I'm glad to have you here. <laughs> it's a little late. It's a little late. So we are throwing you a curveball, sir, and you are in the chair of economics. Oh, no? Because you're late. I just know that I failed economics, so. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well, we'll make sure you're good to go. We'll, we'll, we'll pair you up with Steve, although today's a bit more freeform. So I actually want to address this, and then I want to ask you, Pastor Tally, this. So the, the way that... I would try to define worship scripturally, and I think it's really important when we're talking about the worship music, because this gets very contentious, and I think it's unnecessary. Let's just go to the Bible. But you see, in the Old Testament temple, we burned incense, and that was that was supposed to represent something, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, the rising up, the things that are going up, and a matter of fact, some have even defined the whole idea of worship is uh, to kiss toward, uh, and that we're looking toward the one that we love and it's it's the showing the the honor the love uh, affection uh, the adoration that we are given to to the one that we love and i think we have made worship in church specifically since uh, i'm a pastor and that's what i do we have made that something totally different than what i believe god intended it for it to be uh, we I mean, how many years did the church fight what they called worship wars? Uh, that's an oxymoron. 
you should never war about worship. As a matter of fact, I have told more than one worship leader in our in the churches that I have served, hey, find out what the Holy Spirit blesses. Sing those songs. I'm not trying to define what is real worship or what is worship music as a genre. Hey, what does the Holy Spirit touch the hearts and lives of people to lead us to worship him, not focus on us, but to turn our attention to him? And uh, I, I don't know about y'all, but I have been where I can tell when a song is being sung and you can tell the Lord's blessing it. And then I've had others where it may say all the best things, but it's dead as a doornail. And and for me, you can see where the Holy Spirit's blessing it. And that is young songs, old songs, hymns, choruses, all of the above. Amen. And and that's something that I think a lot of people miss. We get hung up on the drums or on the hymn book. I'm sorry. As someone who my preferred songbook is the Baptist Red Bound Hymnal. There's a lot of garbage songs in there. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that. I'm sorry. There's a lot of garbage songs, songs are you that saying are subpar. That, are you saying that God of Earth and Outer Space did not lead you to worship <laughs> when you... You don't sing that in your devotion? T- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God Save the Queen. I mean, uh, you know. Yeah, exactly. So th- th- there's some songs that I-, I would argue are not that great in the Red Book back hymnal. But the, the point is not not a legalistic interpretation. It's, it's very much what you said is what is the spirit doing? And I want to be careful, like laying out rubrics, but I believe that this is biblically supported. We don't have the time today to get too, too far into it. Cause we want to talk about the contemporary Christian music industry at large. But I think three questions that we can ask are, what are you glorifying? What are you offering up? And why are you doing the things that you do in that service? I, I think those three questions can kind of sum it up. And, and the, the reason why is, is are you glorifying your experience? Or are you glorifying the work of God in your life? And those two things are, are very similar. Ryan, we talk about this all the time. There's a lot of different types of songs. Some songs are, are worthwhile in singing in congregation and some aren't, right? But the primary indicator should be who gets the glory, right? Yes. It should all be about God. That's who the song should be glorifying, not the worshiper, the worship E. Indeed. Indeed. So, again, some people might be saying contemporary Christian music. Why are you building a rag against that? And, and what, what I would say is I, I would be cautious because contemporary Christian music is a large umbrella. You know, like some of my favorite songs, like Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Those are modern songs. Those are great songs. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a, a sort of a, a sneaking in. And there, there's a bunch of churches that, that bring this in. There's a bunch of institutions that bring this in. And I kind of want to get your opinion on this, Pastor, because... The, there's a song I'd like to play real quick, at least the beginning of it, because it's kind of hard to stomach. And we listened to it before we started the podcast. But I think it's interesting to note what is being sung on Christian radio when we talk about contemporary Christian music and and what's the real messaging that's going on. I can't go too long on this. A link in the description below, by the way, this comes from Young Adult Ministries TV. Link in the description, as always. going to go ahead and roll the tape. Yo, Kirk Franklin! Give me 16! Like Biggie J and Nas, the greatest kick of hope. The lion and the lamb, we'll bow down to the goat. The lion and the lamb, we'll bow down to the goat. Okay. So, that almost seems like it's almost. <laughs> <laughs> that almost seems like it could be a little bit demonic, doesn't it? Yeah. But what what would what would be the purpose of of some folks who, who kind of come into the Christian umbrella? Because it, we are very inviting as Christians. Is is there is, is is that a door that maybe is too open? Because this is someone who's been nominated for the K Love Award. This is someone who's yeah, exactly. So. I just want to get your gut reaction to that. So uh, I have several, 
but let me see if I can just narrow it down. Uh, you know, I've heard other Kirk Franklin songs that were good, that were basically good songs. Here's my problem. Uh, when you are in an industry that's constantly requiring you uh, to go to another level uh, to get to, uh, you know, a hit song, uh, it's going to push you when your focus is on that rather than the one to whom you're supposed to be singing to, then it's going to cause you to allow yourself to call God goat. I'm sure he's referring to the greatest of all time, but I'm sorry. You just hit another low in my mind uh, that you can reduce God down to a single word. And I know it's a play on words, the lion and the lamb and the goat. I get what he's trying to say, but uh, I'm sorry. You're talking to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He deserves a whole lot more than being called a goat. And then, uh, you know, going back to what we said a moment ago, do, do you sense an attitude of worship on that? I don't. Now, that's a that's a judgment call on my part for me. Uh, but when you can't even call God who he is and, and refer to him as an anachronym, um, I'm having a problem. And th- that just the irreverence is is, is kind of off putting, mm-hmm. but but also you you have that that extra symbology that someone could superimpose upon it. Let's give him the full benefit of the doubt. And by the way, I think that's a really important thing when we do this. But the thing is with with contemporary Christian music at large, it often ends up being so vague mm-hmm. that. There's room for interpretation, and with and I'll say the names: Hillsong, Elevation, Bethel, and there are other reasons for that. And I want to get to why specifically those churches kind of tweak a funny bone. And there's a question about whether or not we should support them. But when the songs are that vague, it a couple of questions arise: If we are offering this up like a wave offering, as they did with animals, where they would wave the offering before God, if we're bringing our worship. Before God, it's supposed to rise up to him. This is an offering, a sacrifice that we give to God. Do we not want that to be the best? I think there's some things we we need to consider about the attributes of God, the character of God. Do we find any situations in Scripture where God is vague? Do we find any Scriptures where we see God stepping back? You know, when, when I think about the, the the ten plagues. Um, that that wasn't vague. That was pretty strong. When I think about the Red Sea, that wasn't vague. Pretty strong. When I think about the burning bush, and I could go on. I don't think we have to be vague. And you brought up those three groups. I would submit to you. There's actually others. Sure. Um, oh yes. And, and I don't want to. I'm not wanting to get into a list of this, but. My point being is that we should, as as Christians, and I don't care if we're speaking the word, I don't care if we're singing the word. We don't. I don't think we need to be vague. You'll you'll either come or you won't. And I've always said to to our young people, when God is put on display, people are going to be compelled to Him. Amen. Period. And. That right there is important. I, I want to refine something, if I may. Yep. Put, put a caveat. God was either clear or he was no comment. Some people say that he was vague about prophecy mm. or that there are things that, but God about his, about his nature has always been clear. Yes. And that's something that we should strive for. And so sometimes it, there's an issue of better versus best, right? But, those three names, there, there is something interesting with those three names, which, by the way, predominate a lot of modern churches' worship music. And some of them, some of those songs are beautiful songs. I mean, they've passed the theological sniff test, but there is something with their leadership that, that's interesting. And I, I want to be careful how I go about saying it, but I also want to make sure that we call, call it what call it is. Call it what it is. What are the, what's the primary issue with... Hillsong, Bethel, and Elevation. What are some of the biggest issues that, that we see with those? Ah, uh, ah, uh, me, me, worship me. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's I, definitely. I mean, I've listened to, uh, yesterday I listened to 
so many of their songs that, you know, I thought my eardrums were going to bleed. And the thing was, is that I got out of it was people were doing nothing, but it was like being at a rock and roll concert is what it was to me. And when I was younger, been to many a rock and roll concert. Okay. And it was about enjoying the, the tune. It was about enjoying the beat, listening to the music and you don't really pay attention to too many of the words. Well, it's, and it's not about worshiping God. It wasn't. It was about you because you really don't hear that many times when they were worshiping God. It was like it's almost like I, he's absent. Yes, mm. and you, they were worshiping more like themselves, themselves, and the experience of just being there and jumping around and dancing, waving their hand, and enjoying the experience and getting into the mood. And I want to go a little bit deeper. Was. I want to go a bit deeper because you're not wrong, and that's a and that's an issue that we can get into semantics, right? And we can debate that. But there's something with the teachings of Hillsong, Bethel, and Elevation that that have an issue. And I mean, they're they're more of the prosperity gospel word word of faith. And I don't know where where everyone here sits on dechurching or defellowshipping. But there are some places, there are some points when someone comes with a different gospel where you have to at least distance yourself in the name so that the name of Christ isn't, isn't harmed. I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Pastor. So one of the things that we have done at the Church of Our Pastors, I have shared with our worship leader that uh, two, of the, two of the three churches you have named, I've already said to him, uh, do not select songs from those places. Uh, because, you know, we put those words up, the name, you know, we give credit at the bottom. Uh, and there's one other aspect uh, to that. I, well, there's two, actually. One, I don't want our people singing along, looking at the words, and they're seeing that name. And if they like that song, they go, oh, I need to check those people out. I don't want them checking those people out. Uh, that's one step leads to another. They go from uh, that was a cool song or I really like that song to, hey, these are great people to follow. And we have then led them into a trap in, in my, my mind on top of the fact that because of how we do lyrics and things, ultimately we, they are getting support for those songs and those uh, every time we sing them, they're gaining support from copyright uh, issues. And so, uh, and the only reason I left Hillsong out of that, the other two is the one that I said, and what I did say to him was regarding Hillsong, if, if you want to sing a Hillsong song, you need to go back a ways, <laughs> not yeah. not the modern Hillsong. There was some old Hillsong that was really what? good, you know, uh, Shout to the Lord. That was a really good Hillsong song. Yeah. Uh, but where they've gone in recent days has followed trend with Bethel and Elevation Worship and uh, there are two two E's that I that I would give, and this was one thing that's been on my heart for a very long time. Uh, Y'all may or may not know I used to be a worship leader for many years, and those two E's are entertainment and emotions. Mm. Uh, we have wow. traded the truth of the gospel, and see the one thing about our emotions are uh, is that they were they are meant to respond, not to lead. Uh, emotions are meant to be responders. In other words, I can choose to worship based on truth uh, of who God is and who he is uh, as he's working in my life, as he's revealed in his word, uh, who he is. I can worship him for who he is. And then my emotions engage the truth rather than the truth or, or rather than my emotions leading me because uh, the emotions don't care if it's truth or not. Emotions can be moved by right. anything. And in my opinion, since we in modern day church, we have gotten away from being led by the spirit, worshiping in the spirit uh, and, and in truth. That's what he, we are taught to do. Worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we've gotten away from the spirit. So without the spirit, we got to have something to move us. So we have chosen entertainment uh, that touches our emotions, which is nothing more than a worldly way of worshiping. And in, again, in my opinion, it's not worship. Uh, it is worshiping worship, not worshiping God. Well spoken. Mm -hmm. Amen.
Nikki had something earlier that we were talking about on the uh, on the right in. Let, tell them what you were saying. I thought I thought that was really. Well, we talked about several things. So, so it. <laughs> it was the issue of taking away words. Oh, you know, you always hear me say that the church is so worldly and the world is so churchly, churchy. You can't tell the difference. If you were to put all of those concerts on mute and you looked at a Christian concert and a rock concert, would you be able to tell the difference? I would say you would not. And they're talking about the experience and the emotion. That's what people are sacrificing and not having an encounter with Jesus Christ. Right. And they're, they're thinking they are because they've had this emotion and they've had this experience. But when things get hard, because they haven't had an encounter, they can't stand. And that's the scary thing, is it not? Yes. And let me just share this with you. Many years ago, we had this lady who came to our church. She was a new Christian. And what she did is she followed people who were experiencing God, who were having an encounter, like God was blessing their family or they started a new ministry. But she always wanted to ride the coattails. But she never would sit down and do it herself. And then when her family was challenged, will you know where they are today? Out of church, left leaning. It, 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 it couldn't, it did not stick because she just wanted to experience what other people were experiencing. Going back to what you said and what you posited to us with Elevation, Bethel, uh, Hillsong, all those leaders are very charismatic. Uh, I'm not even speaking about the worship teams. I'm, I'm speaking just about the pastorship or the, the, the shepherdship of those churches. They're very charismatic people. And what you'll see in there, and like you said, what you'll see in their teachings is that they typically have something wrong in theology or in doctrine. Like there's something missing or there's something that they're adding or subtracting. And it's reflected in how they approach these worship teams. And I, and I really wanted to go to what Pastor Shannon Talley said, because I think that was so, I, I just think that was, that was I, I don't want people to miss that point. There's a difference between the movement of the Holy Spirit and your emotions. And here's what, here's what these churches will, I think, unfortunately find themselves in the position of. Don't you feel that Holy Spirit moving? Yeah. When it's not the Holy Spirit that's moving, it's the emotions that yeah. you guys are experiencing. Yeah. And I do think the Holy Spirit produces emotions for sure because I mean that's a that's a that's a life that's a worth that's a crazy encounter. No doubt about it, but it's not just that, right? It's the the, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God in the worship. That's the glorification of God in the worship. That's the focus is on God in the worship. And I think it, it it's unfortunate when a worship leader at a church like that is singing a song that is lacking in theology or it just is teaching a false theology or doctrine. And they tell the young people this. They're like, do you, don't you feel the spirit moving? And those young people, what do they do? They say, yeah, I'm, I feel good. And they come to a point where they think it's normal. And they think that that's the Holy Spirit. They think their emotions are the Holy Spirit. And when their emotions leave them, when their emotions fail them, when depression comes on, and by the way, depression is a real thing. The, the enemy of your soul will come for you with depression. We do our youth, our congregations, our elderly an enormous disservice by conflating emotions with the moving of the spirit. Amen. Amen. That could not, you, you spoke such true words right there. And the thing is, is guys, when we look at the issue of music, what was Satan over? Hello. Amen. He knows all about this. If there was one area where, and I, boy, I hesitate to even use this word. But if there was one area where Satan was skilled to detract Christians and, and lie to them, it would be in the area of music. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, if you're noticing, if you are, are on video, we had to bid uh, Pastor Tally Verdu. He 
We're doing this a little bit early. He's off to a service. So just wanted to let you know if you're watching on video or if you miss his voice on audio, that is what happened. He did have to take off. But going around the room, I, I, I want to hear a little bit more from Clint because we have not heard from Clint yet. And we'll put you kind of over there with the chair of uh, poly, uh, philosophy there because that's kind of what you came with. It's kind of what you came prep for. If our worship is supposed to rise up to God as incense, where should our focus be? How, how should we be focused instead of working on this, this building, this hype of this emotion? Where does that leave us when times are dry? So us being as, you know, emotional creatures and all, um, so I've been around the neighborhood. I've been around the block. I know many of drugs, right? And the worst drug that I've been hooked on for most of my life is dopamine, right? Dopamine is probably the most worst drug I've been on. And I, I almost every single one of us has been on dopamine. It's very easy to get that. Oh, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Glory to God, right? But they're missing the main message, right? The substance. So I can... You know, I can have some good crumbs and all there, but I want I want the meat. I want something to fulfill me. If I remove the music and just listen to the man say the words, will it be enough for me? There you go. There you go. Amen. And I want to I don't want to coarsen this, but rather I would like to enrich this. Any married couple you talk to and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. They will say that marital intimacy is just the icing on the cake if they've made it last. And I'm posing a question to you. What sustains a marriage outside? Is marital intimacy ultimately not, the glue? That's not it. What is the glue? God. Well, and, and, and that's it. God. But you know what? You have to go deeper than just God because yeah. there's a lot of Christians out there. 50% are still getting divorced Correct. in the Christian circles. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's about you serving the Lord individually, you putting God's priorities as your priority. Charlie and I will be married 39 years in May. Yeah. And Bless ha- it, let me tell you something. <laughs> There's always been emotion and sometimes it's been anger and sometimes it's been love and sometimes it's been hate <laughs> you know what i'm saying no 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 <laughs> no you saw the bus oh my gosh you endure you you keep pushing forward because that's what god has called you to do and you keep praying and you keep you fall forward. Remember, you always say that you fall forward. That means you're going to make mistakes. You pick yourself back up. You look at the word of God. You go back to prayer and you move forward. And now, after 39 years, all that's behind us, that is what keeps, that's the glue. That's the glue is the, the life that we've shared together is the glue. I, I just want to, if I could real quick. Go ahead, please do. Ryan, you're... You're spot on right with your answer. I think what just needs to be understood, it's not just throwing out the name of God, although that's a good start. It's employing the character of God. Well, it's relationship. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. relationship. And that's where I'm going with this. And and so I don't want to, I want to loop in where we're going is what holds couples together is not marital intimacy. It's not even financial security. It's relationship. And that relationship is incomplete without God. It's not it's not God, just God. Right. It's that relationship that has grown and it is a strong oak. It yes. has grown. It has been buffeted by winds. It's been tested. It's been pushed down. Maybe maybe it's not an oak. Maybe it's a bonsai tree. Maybe it's gone through contortions and twisting and damage, but it is still grown upright that is a relationship that is developed and bonsai trees are old greatest those are old trees the greatest trees the strongest trees are those that have gone through winds yes that that is scientifically proven correct you know when we were on when i went to um israel we were on the mount of olives and we were in the garden and there was a tree, an olive tree there, that they said 
was there during the time of Jesus, which was over 2,000 years old. 2,000 years old. And you look at it, and this thing, you could tell, has been through all kinds of weather, all kinds of damage, but it still was growing. Mm. And the old Mm. stuff was taken off, and it was cast away, but it still was growing. So let's bring the analogy home. Let's bring the analogy of relationship, of enduring through suffering. If your music in church is simply faking in faking you out it's it's lulling you into this relationship this sense of relationship rather but not a true relationship we wonder why we send kids to youth and then they go to college and they're gone Mm -hmm. you know frank turk said it well they're talked out of it why because they were never talked into it. Amen. But they had this experience. They had this emotional outcrying. Oh my gosh, that's the spirit. Maybe. Let's test that theory, why don't we? It's the child's immortal soul that we're talking about. It's the parishioners. It's the 70-year-old's emotional state that could be tricking them and putting them at jeopardy. Instead of focusing on the emotional, whether it is your Redback Hymnal, or it is your Matt Redman, or whether it is your Bethel, right? Maybe we want to develop a relationship instead of the feeling, because that is what God intended. He wants a relationship, just like a marriage that lasts, more so than a marriage that lasts. We have a relationship with God that will grow. If we are hooked on the high of feelings, we're no better than two young kids who have never developed a commitment to each other because we've never developed a commitment to the Lord. And if, that's the problem with weak worship music. If, if emotion is the, the consummation of your quote-unquote experience, you better be checking it out fast. Mm-hmm. Well, when you want to talk about culture— Our culture is built on emotion. That's why the media can get away with what it's getting away with. That's why um, the things that we're embracing in culture today is it's a play on feelings. Yes. It's not a play on logic. It's a play on feelings. And then the words, if you disagree, the word is, well, you hate them. You, you, You can't disagree anymore and respect and love somebody. If you disagree, you hate because you don't have the right emotion that they they want you to have. And that's really a frightening thing because that is cutting yourself off from any chance of reproof. You want to know, just random while we're talking about music, you want to know the moment when I said, you know, Taylor Swift, she is cut off. She has no hope of returning. Is when she wrote that song, Shake It Off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because in it, she literally says, haters going to hate. Whatever they say, it does not matter. It does not matter. And when you cut yourself off from reproof, that is a scary place to be. That is a scary place to be. So I want to go ahead and ask a little bit further down the line here. I want to go to culture. And I want to ask you, we've seen this shift away from universal truth in our culture. And where we focus more on the internal experiences, the, the I truth ism, where your subjective reality, which isn't reality, my subjective experiences are more important than objective reality. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you something and, and you're free to say no, but do you see a parallel? with the shift away from the objective truth in our culture with the shift away from God to the personal experience of the worshiper in some contemporary Christian music. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I do. And, and the thing is, um, like we, like we talked about everything in our, our culture is based on emotion now. And I understand the reason Charlie started this class 
is he wanted people to be able to define what they believe and defend what they believe. Because a lot of people are growing up in church. They don't know what they believe. They just have been told. Okay. And there, and it's, and there are some Christian environments that are so cold and so stone like that you're, you'd like, okay, well, if that's God, I don't want any part of that. But it's not God. It's not God. And so I would say that the reason the culture can embrace what it's embracing today is because of the church. You know, I quote Andrew Clavin very often on this, but I, I think it's a powerful quote. It's one of the best things he's ever said. He said, when you give the devil the power of the truth, we will all suffer. Mm. When you give the devil the power of the truth, we will all suffer. When we, as the truth bearers, when we lose sight of love or when we lose sight of godliness, you know, holiness, you know, those two things are not mutually exclusive. They are intertwined. But when we lose, you know, and, and Josh is familiar with the ditch argument, when we end up too far on one side instead of the middle, when it comes to legalism versus this uh, uh, license to grace, we start to see a loss in our credibility with the culture, don't we? Yeah, and I really appreciate Pastor bringing this up. The church that has the theologically correct songs, but there is, but there's no worship there, is not is the same as the people who who think they have the worship, but are so theologically lacking or just completely wrong. It's the same. It's two sides of the same coin. On one side, you have a routine slash legalism almost. And on the other side, you have a willy-nilly handling of the truth. And neither are valuable. No. And you can't, you can't have, you can't have them because they'll destroy you. You'll end up in a ditch. Mm. Yeah. And that's the sad thing, isn't it? That we've lost sight of truth. And again, whether you're a Pharisee or whether you're a Sadducee. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whether you are a legalistic, by the way, again, I say it often enough, but I'm sorry. If you believe that Christians should not be involved in, involved in politics, you look at Christ. He was involved with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in debate. They were the political uh, right and left. Pharisees on the right, Sadducees on the left. Pharisees not much better than the Sadducees. It's a very sad state, you see, because it's basically the exact same thing as what we see today. You yeah. see the church divided into a left and a right, and neither one of them get it. We, we can laugh at those people all we want, but when you look in the mirror close enough, you start to see yourself. Yeah. And Christ got involved in those debates with them because where you end up is either legalism or license. Well, where was Paul? Heavily. I, I, mean, I mean, Paul was before political leaders all the time. Yes. That's where he was making some of his strongest arguments. And I might say exactly where he should have been making them as well. Agreed. You know, because when you when you look at the cultures, and, and we can let the chair of culture talk more about this, but when you look at the area of culture, should the church be impacting the culture or should the culture be impacting the church? Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid today we've we've got it backwards. The culture is impacting the church. Well, it's almost like the culture is dictating the church's actions and moves with the seeker-friendly movement. And again, I'm not – be careful. I, I don't want to poke a stick at the bear here. Look, if you are a seeker-friendly church, come as you are with your sandals and flip-flops. I get that, Okay. I get that. Me personally, I like to come in my Sunday best. Did God demand that? I don't remember a chapter and verse on that. So is it something that I'm offering to God? That's on me. However, let's set that aside. We're not talking about dress. We're talking about a church that lowers its standards, lowers its standards for the culture, it ultimately will be overrun by the culture. I forget who um, Pastor Peterson was quoting when he quoted this, but he said, if the church wins men with carnal means, the church will have to endeavor for more carnal means to keep those same men, let alone grow. 
If it's with spiritual means, the church will have to become more spiritual to win more men and to retain the same men. You can't serve two masters. Agreed. I absolutely agree. So this is quite interesting because I don't know if you heard, but Tyler, um, a Calvinist apologetics has deconverted from the faith and it do it's massive. The movement of deconversion is I'm sorry, but it's disgusting to me because these people talk about going through the motions of Christ go. Cause if you've heard Tyler speak in his previous videos, he's a great apologetist. Okay. That is to me, it doesn't matter that he has some things wrong with his theology, but at the end of the day, it does. Cause I think that's what led him to him never, deconverting. He, you don't deconvert. Amen. You, you, you either are or you're not. Amen. It, it, be, Jesus won't say, I once knew you. That's right. Exactly. What, what, I never knew you. What bothers me the most is on one of those videos, there's a comment that says, um, it's better to have no yoke than have one. And I feel like people misunderstand that term. It just, when God says, take on my yoke, because it's easy. It's not because you don't have one. It's because you already have one. Yes. You already have a yoke that is too heavy for you to bear. And that's why he wants you to take on his because it's lighter than the one you already have. And it, it shakes me because using music, right? Because if we listen to secular music all the time, now don't get me wrong. If you're a music fanatic, it's okay to listen to a good an old song here and there right i'm not bashing those people but if you surround yourself if you dive yourself so deep in the dark knowing your light isn't light enough you're gonna fall to darkness and it's gonna happen and i guarantee it to you oh my goodness that is very well put and that's something that i've been convicted about my personal life I, I, ryan and i've had these conversations off air where i listen to music that's not necessarily sensual or sexual but there's a lot of these songs that it's not about the song is bad. It's what am I filling myself with? Mm -hmm. Is it vacuous or is it, is it, is it godly? And there's nothing wrong with listening to a song that is non-sexual, non-sensual. It's edifying. It's generally a good song. It's a good love song. What have you? That's all fine. Well, and good. What kind of time are you spending in the word? What kind of time are you spending in personal worship? By the way, I, it's too bad pastor's not here for this one because there was a, there was a great quote from a pastor over at champion forest Baptist church in Houston. He one day said in front of the congregation, he says, Hey, I, some of you people come up to me on Sunday and they say, Oh my gosh, pastor, I needed this word. I was so filled by this word. And you know, I was, you know, you just filled my cup and running over. And he said, Really? Are, are you so thirsty when you come here that you need me to fill you up? What are you doing the rest of the week? Are you starving yourself the rest of the week? It's a great question. It's a really good question. I love Josh's testimony as he grew in the Lord and with his music. I know you've, you shared it a couple times, but I always love to hear how the Holy Spirit was working in your heart and how it changed you. From the music that you were listening to, I mean, it, it just started to, to um, realize, what am I putting in my mind? Yeah. yeah, that is a big part of what happened on July 7th, 2021. I do remember that day because I, I just remember that, remember that exact day. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> but that's because I just remember that sermon that I watched and the conviction I felt from the spirit about that and about how when you get that conviction... You can't not do something with it. You have to do something with it. Mm. And that's, that's what I felt. And obviously, since I was, since I'm a follower of Christ, I'm, I was like, well, this is a pretty easy decision, I think. So I'm going to go follow, I'm going to go follow the Lord. And I deleted all my playlists that had a, all this terrible secular rap. And that was just absolutely debaucherous by all cases, glorifying money, glorifying women, glorifying sex, all these different things, right? And turn it around into into Christian rap, really. That's what I went to. But you also have to be wary in Christian rap because there's a lot of bad stuff in Christian sure. rap. But I guess that's the thing that we're kind of talking about today is that, you know, there's a lot of bad actors out here. 
Yeah. And they're the people that you need to be looking out for because, I mean, we mentioned the three names. These people, by the way, we wouldn't, we would never call this worship music if they themselves did not call it. They themselves call it worship music. So that, because they do that, that we have to approach it from that perspective. And so I want to get the chair of economics here. I want to get, I want to get the chair of economics, then we're going to backtrack to politics because I do want to ask one last question before we wrap up and we're going to have to start to win down here. But that's a really interesting point mm-hmm. you bring out how there is an economic incentive, isn't there? And, and I, I want you to explore this. I want you to kind of tease this out as you're sitting there in that chair. There's an economic incentive, not only for artists like Katy Perry, by the way, who said, I sold my soul to the devil. Christian music didn't work out for me, so I sold myself to the devil. She says this in an interview. Link in the description below, by the way. We're out of time. I'm not going to show the clip. But there's also Pastor Tally got into this, and and he had to leave. I wanted to get him his thoughts on this, but Hillsong, he said something interesting about Hillsong. They used to put out more theologically rich songs, and now all they have is dribble. In addition to supporting the prosperity gospel, they're now on a schedule. When you make ministry about money, isn't there a priority on output over the quality and over the ministry? Yeah, and I, and I want to say this. I'm not opposed to charismatic music or charismatic leaders. No, I'm, I'm not even opposed to if in a Christian hip-hop or rap song or in a Christian pop song, if you want to put an 808 kick drum in there, or if yeah. you want to, or if you want to put some very modern production techniques into the song, I'm not even opposed to that. I'm saying that if that's what you're doing to draw people to, towards your music, first and foremost, if you're trying to draw people towards your music, I already think that you probably have lost the plot. Amen. But uh, that's that's first and foremost because what is the focus there? I mean, it goes back to the very first thing we said, the three categories that that's not glorification of God. That's glorification of self. That's idolizing your ministry, not the the person who gives you the ministry or you see there. Yeah. Uh, But going to these people, uh, they lost the, like I said, they lost the plot. They, 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 they saw the numbers that they were getting and the numbers were probably really good. You know, I heard a report that they actually take in about $100 million a year. Oh, I, I have no doubt about it. It's big business for sure. I mean, you go check the Spotify streams. They're getting 10 million monthly listeners a, a, a month. That's an incredible number. But it goes back to what you say. What's the point of getting 10 million monthly listeners if what we're saying is not is not edifying and it has no value? Well, we have to bring into question then well, what's the purpose of this but and i i'm sorry but it it's hard to say that it's not money and it's hard to say that it's not something ulterior but i do want to say this and i'm sorry i'm being long-winded here but i do want to say this tease it out i have no doubt in my mind and i'm not i'm gonna give some people the benefit of the doubt that these people truly think that they are creating worship music I believe some of them ac- absolutely think that. I, think I, I have no, I have no doubt in my mind that these some of these people who produce this worship music, but truly believe in their hearts and souls that they are doing a good thing by producing this worship music, and they have bought so heavily into the, into the into the pot. They've 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 drank in the Kool Aid for by all by all by all metrics. Say they bought the lie. They bought the lie, and but that's the problem, right? Is the, there was probably some well-meaning people that got into this industry and they unfortunately bought the lie at some point down the line and, and they, they sold themselves out. Well, you know, the, the old uh, idiom, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And again, God doesn't care about your intentions. He cares about your heart. And right. I know, I know that's kind of a weird way to put it. And some people immediately t- took it aback. God doesn't care about, what you intend to do. He cares about the reason you intend to do it. Amen. He wants you to specifically be about that. Now I want to get Mr. Steve and then we got to wrap up closing thoughts for the day, but many churches divide over again, things like drums, CCM music. Uh, should, should we be focused on the instruments of the heart? Like for example, would the, 
I hear this all the time. You know, once the drums come into the church, the church is going downhill. Well, <laughs> you, you don't know you, much you know, about David, I, do we? I've got to ask the question. What happens when you go to Africa and Shimbles. they have drums in that church? What, what ends up happening in churches with the politics on this? Politics is, I mean, you have like politics in churches, especially Baptist churches, it's just unreal. I mean, how many times do you see Baptist churches will split over not just drums, color of carpet, mm -hmm. and the color of, of chairs being brought in? Uh, they don't like the way it's being decorated for Christmas time or Easter time or whatever it could be. They don't like who's on a certain committee. I mean, that is not of the heart. And it is about people. And it is not about people that we need to be concerned about. It is about worshiping the Lord. And it is about people's hearts. And people that are doing that are not thinking about their heart. They are more concerned about themselves and what they want instead of doing what the Lord or what is on their heart for the Lord and what they are being driven by the Holy Spirit. You see too many times that something like that happens. Think about, read the Bible about what, like Charlie had mentioned, about David. And they had drums. They had cymbals playing, mm -hmm. um, loud music, worshiping the Lord. Yep. You know, it's just like we talk about, Charlie talks about constantly about being unequally yoked with someone in a relationship. That happens so many times when people, young people go to college. It's easy to be unequally yoked with someone and then get pulled away from church, either by your person you're in a relationship with or by a professor that's feeding you a bunch of nonsense. Same with music. About something. Same with music. You know, yeah. and, and exactly the same with music. And, you know, they go there and they listen to certain types of music and it's about, oh, y'all are so great. Y'all are so super. Y'all, man, y'all's music was great. I loved listening to y'all. Y'all are just perfect. Y'all, y'all did this. Y'all did that. And, and if you look and research some of the people, which I've done on some of these bands, they want good artists on their bands, good musicians. Not even all of the people in their bands are Christians. Yeah. And by the way, I can speak to that. I mean, as someone who is, who has actually sung professionally with professionals who are $1,800 in appearance. Some of these people have a, have a group deal with churches where they will go and sing three churches a Sunday and they call it a gig. They call it a gig and they're beautiful tenors or, or sopranos and they have this beautiful voice, but they go to three churches, they get paid $500, you know, each one and they have a group gig and that is their weekly income. They go to church right. and they sing, God bless them. But guess what you're missing when you have someone who's leading worship who does not believe what you believe. You have someone who's leading you and they're not yes. leading you in God's in God's heart and mind. It's, it's not almost in their like heart. it's almost like you're saying that pride is the biggest enemy of God. Yes. Not the state, not persecution. And what was the what was the downfall for Satan? Exactly. I wonder why God hates it so much. Hello. Just a thought. So, wrapping up for the day. Wrapping up for the day around the room, closing thoughts from the chair of theology. When we look at the contemporary Christian music industry, theologically, where have we seen it run off the rails? We just, I think one thing, we don't understand, like, we don't revere God as much. We don't take this as seriously as mm. we should. Like, like in a, Kirk Franklin's song, he's using slang. I don't like slang in Christian music just because 
you know, back in Bible times, you know, when they had such a reverence for God's name, whenever they would write it down, they would like go wash their hands, go take a bath and come back and start again. We just call him a goat and we think nothing of it. Yeah. We've lost the reverence for God's name. We don't understand what weight it holds and how seriously we should take it. We Amen. can't treat him so flippantly. Good word. Share philosophy. I think that we have got to be very careful as Christians about what we, what we are letting in our ear gate. And I'll go one further with our eye gate, but in what we're talking about today, the ear gate. And I think we have become very callous. We, we think because it feels good to listen to it, that it's okay. We think because we slap Christian as a moniker on, on the song or the, the performer, that it's okay. I submit to you, we should all be doing our homework and really testing the spirit, as you had mentioned earlier, to see, is this legit or is it not? And if it's not, I think we need to do what Josh has done and ditch it. Amen. Chair of Culture. I would say that um, I know that within the church, there's a lot of things that are very acceptable. But I think you should need to take the time and really focus on the Word of God and study the Scriptures and really understand, are you having an experience that's based on emotions or are you having an encounter with a holy God? I mean, there's a difference. And, and we need Christians, call themselves Christians, to understand the difference. One of the things I would just say as we're you know leaving this, when Jesus ever got a crowd and he preached truth, the crowd left. Amen. There's always got to be a question why the crowd keeps coming back. Ooh. Ooh. Moving over to the chair of politics. Yes. Um, you know, we know that Jesus confronted a lot of people in his ministry, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, um, and all kinds of different people from the rich to the poor and everyone in between. And he stood up for them and he stood up to all of those different people, every one of them, preached to them. He, he had did it to one person at a time, the Good Samaritan, and he did it to thousands of people at a time. And I think on the political front, we as Christians need to do the same thing. We need to learn to stand up for ourselves and be a louder voice than what we're doing instead of sitting on the back row and keeping our mouths shut. Amen. Moving over to Clint. I'm going to let you pick politics or philosophy. Go. I'll do philosophy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my bad. Um, I'll pick philosophy. Uh, see, I think the main thing I would have to address is that how if you need music, good for you. If you don't, don't listen. Honestly, don't listen. Just go down the road, listen to a good sermon or listen to our podcast. Oh, um, <laughs> quick, quick shout out. Um, and his name is John. <laughs> um, but see, honestly, but the, ah, I'd be a little cautious because people with music, it's more about emotional high every day, right? See how this song gets me pumped up, ready to go, right? We all have that. We all have that workout playlist, good morning playlist, the stuff that makes us feel happy and great. But how many of us have that good sermon playlist? Mm. How many of us have that good word of the day? Mm. Amen. Not not a lot of us do. And I have to have to urge us to be cautious on what we listen, right? Cuz you know, I you know, I like me some good Elvis Presley, some Michael Jackson. Don't get me wrong. I like some of those songs. I'll listen to some of those songs, right? But at the end of the day, do I really need my Spotify? Not really. I'd rather be listening to a good Tony Evans, Aaron Rodgers, someone that actually would give me, when I don't go to church, I'd be like, fill my cup because I'm thirsty. No, I need a little top off for the day. Absolutely. Mm. Moving over to Josh. So I'm going to say there's three. I'm going to do a pastorism here. Got three L's for you. <laughs> you got one minute. Three okay. Let's go. So you have a lack of reverence that Ryan had mentioned. There is not a, I think of James 4. I love James 4. Uh, in James 4, 1 through 5, you have this posture that is com 
that is prideful, it is in disobedience to God. And then in six through ten, it says what you should do. You have you should repent and take upon a humble posture. So there's a lack of reverence in Christian music today. There's a lack of attentiveness on the listener and on the people performing the Christian music. We got to be attentive. We got to make sure that what we're saying is lining up with scripture and ultimately not even just lining up with scripture. What's the root of what we're saying and what Mm. we're doing? It should be the scripture and there should be no problems if you're using the scripture. What happens when you get into hot water is when you go outside the scripture. And then my third one, there's a lack of accountability. There's nobody saying to these people in these churches or saying to these worshipers that these things are wrong. And that's why I think this podcast is so great. You know what could have really benefited from this accountability? Asbury. Because let me tell you, what happened there, that is when you let, that's what happens when you let your emotions run free and you have no spirit or truth in the mix. For those of you who are not familiar, thank you, Josh, spot on. For those of you who are not familiar with the Asbury uh, revival in how those who do not believe in the inerrancy and authority of scripture came in and led and basically hijacked what might have been a revival, what may or may not have been, is sure is sure is hamstrung by the fact that these people are in charge, they're leading it, and they're moving it and arranging it in their own way and not in God's way. If they would have had the discernment and the closeness and the walk with God, maybe. Maybe God could have worked stronger mm-hmm. in us. But the thing is, God can't do everything. There, there are things God cannot do. God cannot and will not force you to do something that you do not want to do. going to say he's not going to make the decision for us. Amen. You hear that in Amen. a lot of Christian songs, he can do anything. And he can't. So mm-hmm. God chooses. Can. He chooses not to. Mm-hmm. It no, is he, against, can't make, he cannot make a choice for you. He that will, is you. Uh, he built, Correct. He, he right. chose to make you his with free will. God cannot create a, contra, a contradiction in logic. That Amen. is something, because God is a God of logic. God cannot make a contradiction in logic. God cannot make a rock so big that he cannot live, lift it, because guess what? There is nothing that's a non sequitur. God is outside of time and yep. space. Okay? So it's a different, these are comparing two different things. It's a false syllogism. In the issue of worship are you building a relationship with the lover of your soul mm-hmm. with your god the one who loves you the one who wants to cry you to say abba father the one who wants to fold you in who wants to bring you to the marriage supper of the lamb or are you just dating him and are you just on emotional highs are you dating god or are you in a marriage are you married to God, are you in a relationship that is growing? When the tough times come, when you think God is not there, God didn't move. If you don't have that relationship with him, though, you might think he did. And if you don't feel the feelings that you feel right now when you when you worship, if you don't have any strong underpinnings of, of theology, of understanding, and, and that's just a fancy word for saying a relationship, a mental relationship with God. If you don't have a mental relationship with God, when tough times come, you may fall. And the reason you may fall is because you may not be in that relationship. If you're in that, you want it more than anything. You want to be closer. And when you realize that you are failing, you want to get closer. Hopefully, Hopefully we've been winsome about this. I'm not going to judge someone else's offering or sacrifice as less than mine, but God did give us some rubrics for saying, look, this is, and this is not good. We can say that some things are false. Some things are problematic. Let's be winsome. Don't beat someone's uh, head in over this. Be loving and gracious as your father is. If you love the like this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all those good things, etc. If you didn't like it, that button is down there. Smash it in some multiple of two. And thank you, uh, thank you for over one hundred seventy thousand downloads on audio, YouTube. You're still at it. Thank you, guys. I love the fact that uh, we know we're bugging you. We know we're we, we know we're bugging you because we see you deleting views. Thank you. 
And as far as Rumble's concerned, guys, thank you for sharing. And uh, we're slowly growing a Mumble. We're, we're almost at 70 subscribers. So, all right. Thank you, Rumble. And follow yeah. us on Twitter. Thank you, Rumble. We are, are on Twitter. <laughs> follow us on Twitter. The resident twit and uh, Twitter <laughs> are here. So, if you see it, it's either from Clint or myself. Uh, we might add someone else to that group. But for right now, it's the two of us uh, running it's amok. <laughs> and um, follow us. Thank you so much. Love you. Have a good day. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. All right. We are for real this time because we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>